Welcome to IT Availability Now, the show that tells stories of business resilience from the people who keep the digital world available. I'm your host, Sir Voss Verbeest, and today I'm joined by Eric Krogstad, Senior National Cloud Architect at SunGuard Availability Service, and we're going to be discussing cloud containers. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Eric. Always a pleasure to be here. And it's always a pleasure to have you. So container adoption is something that we hear frequently. And, and, you know, frankly, I don't see any signs of it slowing down. Um, Gartner has made it a point to emphasize that 70% of organizations are going to be running containers in applications um, by 2023. And that number is only going to increase. Um, And in a majority of the deployments that I discuss, and I know that you helped me on some of them, um, customers bring up containerization at least once. Yet, While the concept of containerization gets thrown around a lot, many organizations really don't understand what containerization is. So why don't we start by setting the baseline and giving everybody an understanding of what it means to really containerize something? Sure. It's kind of like a a step back process. Like what is a container really? Um, What does it do? So Take a hardware, for instance. Let's go with a physical server. You know, you have an operating system, parts, things that make it a monolith. Um, Lots of software installed. And then, you know, virtualization came around. You could start to take that out or share resources. So, you know, multiple operating systems could live inside that box now. And then you had things like VFMs, you know, virtualized file machines, Let's look it down even more. And then Docker created things called containers. And containers are basically the application and a group of resources from within an operating system. So if you want an application to run, you don't necessarily need every piece of software or library or thing that makes up that virtual machine. Now you can just take what you need and go. Um, Ultimately, just the most stripped down version of what needs to be run. Mm-hmm. No, and that, that makes sense. And, and I really appreciate you walking us through the explanation of what a container is, right? And now that we've set that expectation of, of really defining what a container is, what are some of the reasons that you believe an organization would want to choose um, to leverage containerization and, you know, how do you feel that those things might be driving increased adoption? Yeah. One of the main benefits when virtualization started was the idea of, you know, smaller attack surfaces. Mm-hmm. You have less vulnerabilities. You, you trim that fat away and just really use what you need. And you get that in a security sense from the container, but you also can create the cluster of containers. Um, You have more flexible resource sharing between them. Um, They talk in the same network protocol, like you have a a CNI interface. Uh, Scalability is the biggest. So you can have thousands of containers running in one host. So you can scale up, scale down. uh, You can move them. And it runs uh, that service on hardware much cheaper. And then really, it's you get faster deployments. Um, you can create new instances. You can just push a button and have them deploy, and you can deploy them anywhere. 
and it maintains your applications easier that way because you don't have a memory leak from the operating system that ruins the applications. Uh, everything's more streamlined. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can say with benefits like that, it's no surprise an organization wants to incorporate them. But, you know, as we know, sometimes an organization will look at those benefits and they'll immediately say, hey, I not only want to containerize applications, but I want to try to containerize everything. And that usually puts us in a, yeah, it usually puts us in a situation where we start to have that conversation about what it makes sense to containerize and, and what it's frankly just a poor idea to try to put into a container. So um, for the sake of helping people navigate through what could be some dicey waters, what really establishes what can be containerized and what should be avoided at all costs? Well, what can be containerized, you know, the sky's the limit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's uh, what should be containerized. Let's just put it out there now. Uh, you can containerize a database, but you should never containerize a database mm-hmm. um, because now – you know, you're not able to cache that data. Um, the data is running in like a memory cache with nothing solid behind it. So really, you want things to be stateless. So what I mean stateless is you have your application, you know, you have like an API. An API you don't doesn't change. It just takes data, forms it on how it is, understands the header, understands the destination, and passes it along, you know, and it's seamless. It's containers should be the same way. You should be able to create an application and that application consists of certain, let's say Python libraries, some Python scripts and a resource sharing with a backend database. Perfect example of what should be containerized. Any application that's not going to sit there and hold data, you know, you can have caching services or even a, a memcached server in front of it. They can do your caching, but the actual application that talks to the user, handles the traffic, handles the pulling of data, that's perfect for a container. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's good that we set that standard because it's a tough conversation for sure. To to kind of you know rely on that old movie adage, just because we can doesn't mean that we should. <laughs> frankly yeah you know it's, it's like, hey i'm gonna containerize my sap environment like, well let, let's talk about that yeah <laughs> you probably shouldn't be doing that well and that's the thing right the way these are structured you do get fantastic resource allocation and utilization because to your point you're only drawing on the things that that application needs and you don't need to maintain multiple operating systems or other baseline components that are tied to running critical infrastructure but at some point, you know, there comes a time where that game of musical chairs gets a little tough because things that are persistent, like a database, that's the heart and brain of any critical application or any application for that matter, needs those resources to function appropriately. Absolutely. And even like SAP that I used, you know, it stores a lot of data and memory in memory which is weird because you have to have memory optimized systems to run that software, which that, that would not be good for a container. Well, and I'm sure their, their service agreements would love to know that you're running that in a container environment, right? Because at the, <laughs> at the end of the day, that's the other thing you got to consider with these applications. You have service agreements and you could tell me if I'm off base here, but I'm feeling pretty certain that I'm not that, 
their service conditions tied to how you're going to get support if that application has a problem is based on certain hosting methodologies. And containerization can take you out of compliance. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that brings up a great uh, point about compliance and containers. Um, obviously, you have companies where you have to stay in compliance with you know things like you just mentioned, a hosting environment. But you also have things like NIST and certain security protocols that you must maintain as well. And when dealing with containers, uh, they usually live in a repository. You have artifacts, which are you know old scripts or old versions of your containers that you've updated. And these things should all manually be scanned. Um, there is that security aspect that you know, sometimes there's vulnerabilities, sometimes a repository that you used to use for software was compromised. And it's important that you maintain scanning these environments to keep a security compliance and a security basis. Mm-hmm. No, that and that makes sense, right? Because security is one of the, I say, foundational pillars to how you're going to run an infrastructure in general. So, you know, I'd imagine that you probably have to consider what impact containerization is going to have on process, on tooling, um, and things like that. So, you know, outside of just doing those continuous scans, do you have any other best practices or, or key things that organizations need to take into consideration when they launch containers that would impact their security posture? Sure. So when you have containers, you have a group of containers, uh, and it's usually called a cluster. So within that cluster, you need to be managing, you know, what ports are open to it. If another container has been added, uh, you know, they can create a security problem where a piece of code gets put into a pipeline or a CICD pipeline in your repo and somebody puts a malicious container in there because they exist as well. Um, and, you know, it could open up an API backdoor to somewhere else where you don't want it to go. So understanding that pipeline and managing your CICD pipeline, managing who has access to those repos is of the utmost importance. And from within there, I mean, there's tools like Prometheus that can, you know, check what's being cached, what ports are open and do security. Uh, Aqua. Is another really great security tool that you can use um, just to manage your clusters, manage where they're going, because you could have your cluster running in AWS. You could have it locally in a private cloud. Um, you could have it in Azure and it can be deployed everywhere because it's very move, movable and operable. But, you know, with that comes a security problem. Like why is the DNS not reporting the correct things? You know, did this get moved without any authorization? You know, was it supposed to be there? So putting things into your container cluster to manage and monitor the overall health of things like that is the utmost importance. Mm -hmm. No, I couldn't agree more, right? And really, when you you think about all the benefits this technology has, you can't forget that there are things that are going to have to come with it, like changing your security posture and really thinking about how you operate and deploying it in a thoughtful, deliberate way. 
Um, you know, Eric, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us today and and highlight the fact that, you know, people need to understand what a container is, why you would actually use it, when it makes sense to use it, because while it's great technology, you shouldn't use it anywhere. And, you know, how you shouldn't lose focus on the secure components of the environment and how a container can impact things like posture tooling and, and really how you need to look at security in totality. So um, thank you for joining us on the show today. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. And remember, secure your build, secure the infrastructure, then secure the workloads. Couldn't agree more. Well, Eric Krogstad is the Senior National Cloud Architect at SunGuard Availability Services. You can find the show notes for this episode at sunguardas.com backslash IT availability now. Please subscribe to the show and your podcast platform of choice to get new episodes as soon as they're available. IT Availability Now is a production of SunGuard Availability Services. I'm your host, Sir Vast for Beast, and until next time, stay available. Stay available.